For God so loved the world that his son relocated to earth. That's not quite John 3.16, but, it, but it's true. If you want to know someone and to love someone, we have to get close enough to them that their needs become our needs. Our needs become their needs. It's then when we begin to share our pain and maybe even feel our pain. I recall a time when I was parked at a, at a store and my wife went in to shop and me and the boys stayed back and my youngest son, he began to scream and I was wondering why he was screaming. He was screaming for uh, maybe two minutes and then I, I tried to get, get snacks and things like that and it was not, that was not it. So I got out of the car and I opened the door and I, and, and I saw that the sun was in his eyes. And I began to look at the sun and the pain of the sun being in my eyes. I began to feel the pain that he felt. And in turn, I, I uh, relocated or I, I uh, parked in a different place. See, when we get close enough to someone, when we move from where we are to where they are, when we listen to their pain and get close to their pain, we begin to feel their pain and it becomes our pain. It becomes our problem. Their cries become more understandable. Their anger and their frustration, we start to feel. See, we have a God that did that with us. We have a God that didn't just stay on his throne, but he became flesh and dwelt among us. It says in the book of Hebrews that, that He, uh, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses, and he was tempted in every way. Jesus left his his throne to please Yahweh, to relate to us, to carry out his mission for reconciliation to Yahweh and for us to be reconciled together. Jesus was willing to go wherever God wanted him to. See, we, we know that Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross uh, in our place and, and took the sins of, of those who receive him and praise God for a savior. But let's not miss the one, one of the biggest catalysts that sent him to the cross. And that catalyst was his ability to love his neighbor as himself. See, Jesus earned his place on the cross by loving in that way. In his inaugural speech, as he stepped into ministry, Jesus read from the book of Isaiah and it said, this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus's mission took some relocation, some relocation from a throne to a, a, a feeding trough. It took not only uh, standing in solidarity with those who were oppressed by systems and structures, but being crushed by those systems himself. He chose to proclaim and to demonstrate God's narrative to the poor, the marginalized, the lower class, the seemingly God forsaken. See, the good news isn't, isn't good news if it's not first good news to the poor. Jesus knew that the, the most authentic way to carry out his mission on earth was to relocate himself. In Jesus's life, we can see that living in close proximity to those we minister to makes a huge difference. In his book, Where the Cross Meets the Streets, 
no, uh, Noel Castillo uh, asked the readers to consider, can you imagine if God had taken a safer and less costly approach to bringing about salvation? Can you imagine that Jesus commuting from Nazareth, uh, Nazareth to heaven every day instead of being fully present every day with his, his family situation, his neighbor situation? In his own life and ministry, proximity made all the difference in the world for Jesus. Just as Jesus broke down the barriers of difference and disintegration uh, of trust between God and humans by becoming one of us, we can, uh, we can begin to bring, uh, uh, bring down those barriers of differences and this, this disintegration uh, of trust between uh, humans because Jesus lives in us. The idea of relocation is one of our core values. Relocation is the act of relocating or returning or staying in place that are uh, places that are deemed as under-resourced or God-forsaken. These places are often plagued by generational poverty caused by decades of racial discrimination, uh, classism, infiltration of, of drugs, and often are filled with people who are poor, uh, physically or mentally disabled, refugees, or just the, the historically marginalized. These are, these are the Samarias of our day. People learn to go around these areas, not through them. The, they're, they're actually apps to keep you from, from going into uh, places like these. If you're from these areas, you're told that there is no hope for you unless you actually get away from this area. The narrative of, the, of these areas is, are, are that they are condemned. You hear words like the trapped and ultimately they're believed to be places in which God has abandoned. For churches, the, there are places to do outreach and maybe to take pictures, or to, but, not to, but not to plant. Uh, we, have, we stripped these places of the Omago day, the, the image of God, and even the idea that God is still present in these places. We don't see potential. We don't see gifts. We don't see abilities or dignity or worth. We often see these places only as places that are uh, uh, places that where people are milking the system or violent or dangerous or places that need our help. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. When he he went to Samaria, he empowered a woman at the well by establishing her worth when he asked her for water. Then he told her about living water. He shut the disciples up and made a Roman elite wait while he told a woman suffering from bleeding disease to, and told her to tell her whole story. And they sat there and they listened. Jesus knew that presence and bringing down sinful narratives mattered on earth if, if, if the on earth as it is in heaven was actually going to happen. He wasn't just interested in, in calling out personal sin, but structural sin as well. Unfortunately, we're told often to avoid this life, this life of losing ourselves and carrying our cross. We have philosophies and ideologies of why we don't need to follow Jesus into those places or places where we're not comfortable in. For Blacks, we are told to leave these places and never come back. For Whites, they are told that not everyone is called to these places. Churches pour millions of dollars into international missions and have theologies to defend why they don't need to invest 
in places right in our backyard. Many people are using uh, arguments, saying that the rich need the gospel too. And this is a this is absolutely correct. But oftentimes churches are built culturally, aesthetically, and demographically for the affluent. There are no shortages of churches that are for middle class or higher, those with transportation with a bachelor's degree. They can go to church, but there are few churches that are uh, planting uh, for those who, who, who don't have those privileges. There are not a surge of churches, church planters who are willing to, to plant and live in these places. Now, I'm not saying that everyone is called to relocate, but I will say, have we even allowed Jesus, have we even allowed God to speak into this area of our lives? Again, I'm not saying that everyone is uh, should relocate. In fact, there is much harm from people relocating. When, when, when we relocate, we need to learn to be present in ways that, that recognize that and break down power structures of any kind, including our own tendency to fix to fix people or, or to think that we know better. Yes, Jesus relocated, but we're not saviors. We're not saviors like Jesus. Now, when it comes to relocation, this, this principle of relocation, there are three types of relocators. Oh, it's, it's, it's relocator, uh, returner, and remainer. A relocator is a person who relocates or moves into a community uh, from their separate home of origins. A returner is someone who, who actually uh, lived there but left for a little bit and chose to return. And a remainder is, is someone who was born and raised in the community and decided to stay in that place um, to be the, part of the solution of the community. Again, not everybody is called to relocate into communities. Relocation must start with the transformation of your heart and your mind. Uh, when it comes to these communities. And this starts with educating yourselves about these communities and how they became the way they are, learning the history, uh, listening to people. Uh, another way is dismantling the prejudice that you may have about that community, the, the lies, the fears. And, and the third way is showing up and being present in communities, that especially the communities that you feel tugged to, right? This means changing the way you play where you play at the park, changing where you eat, changing where you shop, and where you take walks. All of these things have to do with building trust and relationship. When people see that you are consistent, they begin to trust you. They begin to see that you are not there thinking that you're better than, or you're not there to save, but you're there to be a neighbor that brings down the walls and starts to build bridges. And after after being being present, then you can consider uh, uh, relocating and, and maybe praying through that. Examine your hearts, Christians. Why do you live where you live? We often say, God, I will go wherever you want. But we say that with an asterisk, and that asterisk being, Anywhere but there, anywhere but with those people. As long as I, I get the school that I want, as long as I get the house that I want. See, we assume that God wants us to live and to be with people whom we deem as safe. 
See, the Great Commission commands us to go and make disciples of all people groups. Yet, we often only make disciples of, of our own people group. We say that all lives matter, but we don't live by all lives. We don't choose to go to school with all lives. We don't choose to eat and have people over uh, uh, our, our house and eat meals with all lives. But we eat, we do all these things with lives that look similar to us. We spend lots of theological time giving excuses of why it's okay to avoid all of that stuff. And the truth is, we just don't want to be around them. Have we really given everything to Jesus? Do we really see people as made in the image of God with gifts, abilities, worth? Are we really about the mission of reconciliation, restoration, and transformation? See, Jesus reconciled us to Yahweh and, and reconciled us to each other. But we have to do our part. And, and part of that, part of being, uh, being doing our part uh, of being reconciled is joining uh, Jesus and tearing down sinful systems that live in us, that, that are around us, that are in our families, our, our cultures, our cities, our businesses, and our churches. Jesus. You need to know who Jesus really is. If you, if you don't know Jesus the Reconciler, let me introduce you to Jesus the Reconciler. He is the one that died for you holistically. This dark-skinned Israelite took on your evil and was blamed for your evil, thereby taking on punishment for your evil. He died because of your evil. Because of his goodness, you are not seen as evil now, but you are now seen as righteous. He defeated evil in his death, but he didn't end there. He came back to life and he wants to give you new life with him. He offers a new way of living that is free from fear of death, free from fear of those people, but it embraces those people. He wants to guide you one step at a time. He wants you to be on his team, a team that calls people to their purpose. You are called to join him in dismantling sinful systems. Yes, the sinful system of you, the sinful systems that are around you. He wants you to be present with the oppressed, the marginalized, the forgotten. He wants you to join him in bringing on earth as it is in heaven, here. Let's Let's follow Jesus truly. Let's let him transform the way we think of people. Let's actually love our neighbors as ourselves and die to ourselves daily. And remember, we love. We love because he first loved us. In the beginning, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is not ashamed to call us brothers or sisters. Let's, let's do the same. I want to end with, with a quote from John Perkins. Uh, he often says this when it, when it comes to kind of reflecting on Jesus' steps in relocation. He says this, Go to the people. Live with them. 
learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build with what they have, but with the best leaders, when the work is done, when the task is accomplished, the people will say, we have done it ourselves. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you sent your son to relocate to earth. You lived among us. You dwelt with us from the poor to the rich. You broke down systems of sin in personal lives and in structural lives. Jesus, we just ask that you will give us the boldness to love our neighbors the way we want to be loved. God, if, if you called us, if you are calling us to another place, God, take away the defense that we have, the theology that, that takes away, that stops you from actually speaking into that. God, we ask that you would give us boldness to love the way you did. God, we thank you for Willington Heights Community Church and, and the people who are listening. God, I ask that you would uh, move everyone, every listener to love and to and to love in such a way that would that that would move them to see all those who are uh, uh, made in the image of God. God, we thank you for who you are. Be with us throughout this week. Thank you so much for your death and your resurrection. Jesus, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Remember to turn on your notifications to be the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to like and share this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We are relying upon the benevolent gifts of donors to continue our ministry in an urban setting. So if you are compelled to give, please give a gift at donorbox.org backslash WHCC. Hey, thank you and be blessed.